Hello and welcome to the 66th episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show necessarily focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Marvel Heroes 2015 by Gazillion Entertainment. David, who are you and what do you do, sir? Uh, well, I, I'm David Brevik and I'm currently the CEO of Gazillion Entertainment, and uh, uh, but you know I, I've been in the video games business for a long time, since you, 1991. You have, you have, you have a story to history uh, and that's awesome because we have developers from all different experience i've had people who just fresh out of university it's like well, this is my first game and that's cool you know and <laughs> yeah. uh, you know and, and yes and they actually did a degree in video game development which back in your day yeah exists exist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and no, you know did not yeah and and they're sort of like i'm really talking about my game list yes you are it's cool but uh, yourself you do have a storied history. This is awesome. So that's the first question, by the way. Like any good video game, like any good podcast or any interview, the difficulty ramps up. So we start off real easy, identifying yourself and what you do. Uh, so that's pretty easy. But then it gets worse and worse until right at the end you go, really, Chris, I can't answer this. No, I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Can we talk? Is there lives here? Can I reset? No, no, you've got to answer this. So, yeah, there is a boss at the end, but you'll be fine. You'll be fine. All right. Yeah. I, I'm uh, ready to level up and get you, ready. You'll level up and get ready. So the next question is, you've already mentioned it, you've already hinted it, which is, again, prescience is a good thing for most video game players. They've got to sink two or three moves ahead. But how did you make your start making video, flashy, lighty video games as opposed to tabletop games? Uh, well, I, you know, I started making video games or knew that I wanted to make video games for a living from when I was very, very young. Mm-hmm. Uh I taught myself to program when I was in sixth grade uh, on an Apple II Plus. So you were about and, ten years old, something like that. Yeah, about yeah, about twelve years old, I think, oh. somewhere right in there. And uh, and it was on an Apple, was it? Yeah, Apple, the Apple II Plus. And, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it, this was that was the computer before the. It, it didn't have. I think it didn't have uppercase and lowercase. It only had uppercase. And, yeah, there was a lot of computers like that, weren't there? I. We back in the UK, we had. I'm sure you know this. We had the Sinclairs, so right. we had the ZX81 and the Spectrum, and there were right. two machines that gave birth to the British video game industry, basically. Again, right. something uh, you uh, know. Yeah. And the Apple II was similar to the US, and that's where most people cut their teeth. You know? Yeah. No, absolutely. It was, uh, <laughs> and uh, so you know, I played a lot of games. I had been playing a lot of arcade games as well as I had the Atari 2600 cartridge machine. I, my first video game system was Pong, but the, uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, I had all these kind of this background of playing video games and loved playing video games and wanted to make my own video games right. and just really never looked back. It was, it was, I'm one of those very rare people that knew exactly what they wanted to do for yeah. the rest of their life from a very early age. And, yeah. and I've, I've never, you know, I still have, am that passionate about it. I'm, I'm wavering. Yeah. Personally speaking, I was an television kid. So, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, they were great. They were. People. Yeah, they were. That was a great system. <laughs> they really was. Um, people tell me a 16 bit or something. There's some aspects of it that were 
quite advanced for its time, but yeah, I do remember. Yeah, well, the uh, the graphics were higher res than yeah. like the six hundred and stuff. So. That's right. Yeah, it's cool. But no, it's great that you have that focus. It's definitely demonstrated in that time. So you may just start, and then you obviously when you actually start working in the industry, then. So I started working out of uh, after college. I uh, got my computer science degree. Of and and decided to be you know wanted to make games for a living and answer to ad in the paper this was you know very early 90s so that's you know the internet was just starting to become mainstream it was just universities and military and things like that that were hooked up to it when i was in college um and so uh you know the, the only place he could look for a job was in the newspaper so I, I had uh, strange times, which is called it, it, yeah. hard <laughs> to believe that times like this existed. It's like you know, people. How, how did you find a job? Wait, you did what? You this wrote is, a I, letter. Don't you only yeah, do it, that to lawyers now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was anyway. So I answered this ad in in the paper right. uh, for some a company that was looking for a programmer. They had a bunch of artists. They the company was making clip art, which was, you know, lots of pictures on a CD that you could put in newsletters and things like that. Right. And uh, so they had a, a, a gaggle of artists. I, I'm, I just made that up. I don't know if that's really actually the term, but I'm gonna, we're going to go with a yeah, group of artists. Yeah, there's a lot of that collective noun of artists. That and uh, and uh, so, uh, you, you know, they had a bunch of artists, and but they didn't have any programmers, and they the the – clip art business was not going very well so they decided to make video games instead and and they hired me to be the programmer but the company you know i it was going to be in a game on the atari lynx which was a handheld yes. uh you know machine uh the size of your forearm <laughs> yeah it was huge it was like a skateboard it uh was. but it, it but uh but it was awesome it was way ahead of its time and yeah. it was uh, yeah. you know had color graphics and all these kind of things that just most of the handhelds didn't at that time but you know you were basically lugging around like i said like you said something gigantic so yeah. um uh but it was it was a really cool machine i was looking forward to the opportunity to actually have a published game and and whatnot uh but the company did not did not uh you know, ran out of money. Right. <laughs> My check paychecks started bouncing, and oh. so it was uh, time to to move on. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, right after that, then I got uh, I answered another ad in the paper where I got a job as the first employee uh, that wasn't an owner of uh, Iguana Entertainment, uh, which later was bought by Acclaim, uh, and uh, they they're most known for making the the uh, game the the ports of uh, NBA Jam. Oh, right. Yes. And so I, I worked there as the technical director for a few years until they moved to uh, Texas. And uh, then I, I didn't want to move to Texas. And so I stayed behind and hooked up with a couple of artists uh, that that were at that first company, the clip art company. Okay. Uh, and uh, we started our own studio called Condor, which later became Blizzard North. There it is. And then that's... Uh started all sorts of weird and wonderful things <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah um i know you worked on on diablo uh, a glorious glorious game which i i love telling this story to people but it's great telling it to you but i actually called my first character online when i was playing it back in 97 um it was a game well i called myself red warrior and i kept on saying shop the food and stuff like this just basically 
<laughs> mirroring what Gauntlet said, like shot the food and you know, right. needs, needs food badly and <laughs> is yeah, about to die. Like, is about to die. Yeah, wait for it, is about to die. Why do you keep on saying it? Think about it. <laughs> Think about it. And it was quite funny. Um, yeah, and I was playing a, you know, a warrior of sorts. But um, yeah, and you, you, you were at Blizzard for quite a while, weren't you? Yeah, uh, you know, I was president of Blizzard North and uh, for about almost 10 years total, nine and a half, something yeah. like that, and uh, and made Diablo and Diablo 2 there. We also made some other products as a as a console developer. Uh, you know, we were we were just a development studio to mm. start out with doing kind of work for hire stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I, I had gained some contacts when being the technical director at Iguana, I was able to get some publishers to believe in us enough to give us a couple, give us a try on a couple projects. And uh, so we did some console games on the Genesis and the Game Boy and the Game Gear. And uh, as well as we were making uh, a, a console game for the uh, the M2, which was the second version, the second yes. 3DO machine. Yes, I remember that. I remember and, reading uh, a huge article about that on the, in uh, Edge magazine. Um, yeah, uh, so that that we were one of the actually our demo was really one of the things that sold that technology. Wow. Uh, that uh, that they ended up making I don't know like a hundred million dollars on or something like that by selling that technology. So. Um, uh, uh, but you know, during this time, we were one of the games we were making on the on the Genesis, uh, the Sega Genesis at the time was this uh, fighting game that was kind of a Street Fighter clone, but with with the DC superheroes, with Batman and Superman and <gasps> Wonder Woman, et cetera, et cetera. And it was a game called Justice League Task Force, and we were making the Genesis version. This other, <laughs> this other development company called Silicon and Synapse were. Uh, making the Super Nintendo version, mm-hmm. and uh, and so we kind of got we we didn't know that either one was making like the the publisher never told us that there were other versions of this. Anyway, we showed up at the at at CES uh, at the time. CES, uh, the Consumer Electronics Show, is a giant electronics show here in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, but they they feature everything from TVs to you know what? What dishwashers to you know? There, it's it's a gigantic electronics uh, convention. Video games didn't have their own show at the time. No, we were it part didn't. of consumer electronics show. This is before E three existed, and so um, you know we would sit there and show off our games next to the car stereos. Thump thump thump. You know, they, they, uh, <laughs> wait, that's a lot like E three is today. Anyway, it so is. They, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not that different. It's the, not, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're laughing, but it's true. <laughs> Wait a second. There's some kind of weird full circle thing there. Yeah, the, there uh, is. Yeah, history has a tendency uh, to uh, And so we show up, and there's oh my god, somebody's making the Super Nintendo version, and we didn't know, we didn't share any ideas or any code or anything like that, and and the games were strangely similar, and so we got to talking and uh, and. We spent, you know, spent the whole week kind of showing off our games together and things like that. And they were, they said, well, we're making PC game, a PC game. Uh, and, uh, and we're really excited about that. And we said, Hey, we've got, I got this idea for uh, a PC game that I know that I would love to make. You know, we're big PC game, uh, players. That's, that's much more than console. And, 
I would love to, you know, my dream game, make my dream game. Uh, and they said, well, uh, w- after we finish this, we'll come out and we'll listen to the pitch. And so the game that they were working on was, you know, right after that, they changed their name to Blizzard. They were, that was Warcraft 1. And then they, right after they finished Warcraft 1, we came out and we pitched them Diablo. And, uh, and they loved it. Uh, we had been trying to get that game sold for years. Wow. Uh, but at the time, it was widely considered that RPGs were dead. That's that, right. Yes, I forgot because Ultima took a nosedive, didn't it? And, yeah, uh, yeah. And so no, RPGs were not selling. Uh, they were, uh, and so nobody was investing in them. And you know, we got rejected by twenty plus <laughs> different places. But it's, uh, no offense know. to your good self, but Diablo is not. It's an action game. It's a sure fast action Absolutely. game. That's what I kept, That's what I loved about it because. You know, the 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 number crunching wasn't the you know, min maxing nonsense wasn't really there. It's all about how hard can I hit this thing, <laughs> and how fast. Right? Yeah. Can no. I hit absolutely. This thing, that you know? that uh, and wow. that was kind of the twist on. It. I mean, it it is RPG, and then it has stats, and you level oh, up yes. and things like that. Uh, but it you know it's not chock full of story, and it's not hyper realistic, and it's not you know it's not that 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 wasn't really the take that we wanted. But it was difficult to convey this to particularly a lot of video game execs at the time who are yes. businessmen that don't really understand the difference between the subtleties between these things. No, because they're not so, trying to. Okay. Yeah, well, there, it, what, you know, what's strange about the video game business or, you know, was back then is the video game business was filled with people that didn't know anything about video games. And they didn't like them. <laughs> they didn't even like them. No. <laughs> I mean, it was bizarre. And, uh, and so that's what stood out with Blizzard slash Silicon and Synapse. These guys are like, yeah, we're gamers, and we only hire gamers. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, us too. That's we just don't idea. quite get what the hell is going on here. You know, it's, I mean, just it's like, side, it's like you... being this, uh, 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 you know, a movie studio exec, and I never watch movies. Yes, you know, it's, I'm it, sure it, that it's happens. Hard to even imagine. But, yeah, but uh, it's, did you make any Amiga games, or is that – Lizards, cause no, I, I mean, I did uh, in, in just in my spare time, but n- never published anything on the Amiga. Yeah, because there was, it was a huge demo scene over here. I was just curious with you. Yeah, yeah. You probably did. But, uh, um, so anyway, they, uh, that, that, uh, that relationship spawned the, you know, that the Justice League Task Force brought uh, Blizzard together, really. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, then the rest was kind of history. Then we made Diablo and, and, and Diablo 2 and, and uh, Lord of Destruction and things like that. And then left. And, uh, and I left mm, about two years after Lord of Destruction, somewhere right there, a year and a half after Lord of Destruction. And, uh, and started Flagship Studios uh, with a bunch of the veterans and a lot of the people that I had started Blizzard North with. Uh, and... Uh, we went on to make Hellgate London, which, uh, you know, uh, we uh, took us about five years and the company went out of business about six months after after we uh, finished that product. Yeah. And uh, and then I came here to Gazillion. Uh, I was actually at at uh, at um, Turbine for a very short time, for about six months, helping them make DDO free to play. Right. Uh, and uh, and and then. Uh, but I had gone there because they thought they were going to have the Marvel license. And, uh, and so I was excited about doing a Marvel project and, mm-hmm. uh, they, um, 
And then they didn't get the Marvel license, but instead Gazillion did. And they said, well, we don't really have a project for you. And how do you feel about moving out here to Massachusetts? And uh, and so I, you know, Gazillion called and said, hey, we got the Marvel license. We heard you want to make a Marvel product. Why don't you come talk to us? So I came over here to Gazillion and I was going to be the creative director on Marvel Heroes. But after a long and twisted path, I became the CEO. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. It's like, how did that happen? Well, that's a uh, great you know, it, it, you know, Gazillion was a uh, a very large company with 450 people and all these different projects, and they had locations in Colorado and Washington and California, and um, they had all these games, and they were going to be they were going to be a big publisher, and uh, and nothing really was working out. It was kind of a technical disaster, uh, and. Um, and uh, there were all sorts of problems uh, with the products and and nothing really shipped. And when it did, it wasn't that great. And and so the investors had invested a ton of money. And by the time then Marvel Heroes came out, they were <laughs> quite tired. Uh, and we were, you know, kind of, I would say, you know, encouraged slash didn't really have much of a choice uh, to ship the product uh, before it was really kind of ready. But they had already put so much money in that uh, they really wanted to see something uh, actually ship and uh, and I mean, deliver. And I want to talk about that later on in the show about its evolution because sure. it's fascinating. Um, because I think it might be fascinating for you in, in two sides. One side liberating, the other side terrifying. But <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> Oh, you know, it's, it's both. It's growing in front of me, and that's okay. You know, whereas it's, it's an anathema to your hist- history of making games. Why on earth would you let a game grow in front of, in the public like that? And you did, and that's yeah. you know, and it was very, it was you, very brave. I hate using that phrase because it sounds like, well, we're very patronising, Chris. Well, I'm not. I'm not being patronised. It genuinely was like, wow, it could have gone both either way, but it didn't, and it hasn't. And credit right. to you because you listened. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. Um, so I'm going to ask you the next question. This is so totally increasing difficulty. And this one is really, really hard for a lot of the uh, developers to answer because it seems a bit open. It's deliberately worded that way. But what are you, as a creator, what influences you most when you're making video games? What's the things that you find yourself orbiting more than anything, do you think? Um, you know, I think that other game makers inspire me the most. Um, uh, I think that, uh, you know, I love making games. I love making different types of games. I don't, I'm not really very interested in making the same game that somebody else is making. No. Uh, and, uh, but I am inspired by other people's creations and especially I feel more inspired today by, a lot of the indie development than anything else um, really because they are creatively just making some superb pieces of entertainment uh, that are just very outside the box. They're they're the most creative things going on. And, uh, and I really appreciate that uh, much more so than the, you know, seventh version of whatever it is that, uh, you know, that has been a big hit and continues to generate tons of revenue. Um, so, you know, I think that that really inspires me. That really gives me hope for the future of the industry as well as it just really, uh, it, it makes me want to make games, you know, 
it, it makes me proud to be in the game industry and and show that we have a way to make entertainment that uh, that can be creative and different. It's it's a little bit like I don't know, even movies are kind of the same way. You got the kind of the blockbusters and the and, and whatnot versus kind of the indie films, and I think that. I think that probably there's a little bit of a mix of both, right? You know, I want to, I love making bigger projects, but, uh, but I want them to be different than something else. And so that, that, that kind of cross breeding between the indie originality and the, you know, the bigger products, I think are right. The thing that I enjoy making the most. I just want to sort of pitch on the, the point or focus on pitching. Cause you mentioned pitching Diablo to 20 studios, I was just thinking, imagine trying to pitch papers, please, to the same yeah. people. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't really. That's not. And, and that's what is so amazing about today, though. I mean, we are in a golden era of game development, in my opinion, because when you were uh, an independent game maker many years ago, you didn't have a choice. You had to, in order to sell your product, you had to go through a publisher because you just couldn't get on the store shelves. The store shelves are locked down by distribution networks that are, you know, that you have to be a part of. They have quotas. They they have these personal relationships with the buyers and things like that. That that they and they're not going to take a risk on some small little indie thing. The only way that you could do that was maybe through a bomb and pop store, but then you're not reaching any kind of mass critical audience. So the ability to actually publish your own thing on the web and distribute it worldwide is just it, it's it, it's hard to explain how magical this is and how this has really created uh, the ability for people to do things that they never would have been able to do 20 years ago. And uh, and I think that that really is something that's almost, uh, you know, a little bit taken for granted at this point. Uh, but to think how incredible it is that somebody in a coffee shop on the corner in some foreign country can distribute their game to a worldwide audience is is it's a brand new age of video game making. That's for sure. It's created a lot of competition, but it's also created a lot of, of creativity. And I, I think that's uh, it's important for the video game industry to grow this way. Absolutely. And there's a game, another game that I like to cite. Again, a game that would never been out 20 years ago. They could never make this. Is Stanley Parable, a game that actually laughs right. at the creation of video games and the players of them, not with them, at them, like. Oh, right, you're going to make a decision now. You're going to go the other way. Oh, really? Well, this is now going to happen to you. <laughs> you're not going to listen to me. Well, fine. Let's see what happens to you now. You know, it's just exactly. It's uh, and uh, it, it is a liberating, liberating time. And the fact that people are now going, you know what? Publishers say no one wants this game. Let's go to crowdfunding, shall we? Oh, looks like millions of people want to see this game. You're wrong. And lo right. and behold. There we have games like Wasteland 2 arriving. We have Pillars of Eternity arriving, and which I, both of which I played to death. And it's just because of that. Because right. it's, and the, the barrier of entry as well as Doctor Swan. I'm not sure how you feel about this, but you no longer need to know assembly to make video games. <laughs> That's true. Uh, which, you know, the barrier to entry when I started was ridiculous. You yes. know, it was, I mean, uh, giant publishers like Nintendo 
they didn't provide you. They said, you want to be a developer? Here's our schematics. Yes. Good luck. That's exactly it. Because the again, hardware schematics. And you're like, wait, I have to wait. What? I have to create my own dev kits and write my own assembler? And yes. I have to... You know, was, I mean, it was it was a very different story back then. It's not because you and I know again something I've said to other developers that all computers are as a series of switches. You yeah. just have to tell it when to turn on and off again, and they still are. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, that they are. They're making lots of those decisions a second, but it, it, it breaks down to that. Series <laughs> of switches, like really? So yeah, but even yes, everything, but even yes, but it's yes. just I know. <laughs> And it's all when you see that you realise that wow it's when you you shouldn't do that because then you 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 lose your disconnect you lose your suspension of disbelief and you realise you're just looking at <laughs> ones and zeros and you shouldn't do that. Um, that happened to me when I pl- when I stopped playing WoW because I realised all I could see was the code. It was like you know the Matrix. I wasn't yeah. playing the yes. game anymore. I could see the redhead and the yeah. you know the orc and it was just code fighting code. Like I should stop now. <laughs> Yeah, uh, as well as many other reasons why I should stop. I should really stop. <laughs> um, so that's fantastic to be inspired by the mere creativity of others. To be influenced by that is brilliant and uh, excellent answer. Like I said, I've had other developers going, uh, my dog? <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> we go with that and see what's All going right. on. So... What and who do you most admire in the industry and why? Who's the person or people or company you think they should carry on doing what they're doing? Please, that would be great. Uh, God, it's really hard for me to just choose one. I know, uh, and you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, and that's great. But Right, any- exactly. I mean, obviously, I still am a huge supporter of Blizzard. Uh, yeah, they've gone, yeah, they've gone. Yeah, it's really hard. I think that people don't understand how hard it is to to be successful and to continue to be successful. Uh, you know, to make hit after hit after hit is is something that just not only is not done, uh, but is you know extremely difficult to do. And so, uh, uh, you know, I think that they're really. They're one of the only companies that I can ever think of that has done that time and time again. The other company that I, that is that way, in my opinion, is Valve, and uh, you know I think that they they continue to make superb stuff. Um, and uh, you know, it, not that they're making that much anymore, but the uh, you know the the fact is that they've been so innovative in the industry, and to bring something like Steam, which just opened up the you know a whole new world for most people. Uh, it just, you know, these are things that, uh, will go on to be, you know, uh, legendary moves in the history of the video game industry. And, uh, and, you know, so I think that those are, those are two companies for sure that inspire me the most. Indeed. I, I think for, for those two Blizzard, for me, they've gone to such extraordinary places that I wouldn't dream that they would go to. And they've now right. got this very, very, very strong visual style. I don't know if you noticed it. I'm sure you noticed this, but if you notice how really quite prominent it's, it's this very uh, this certain aesthetic that they've locked onto, and it's just like you, know, you look at Heroes of the Storm and and um, Hearthstone, which it's a glorious game, uh, and right. it, it's just so beautiful, and it's yeah. very simple and elegant, and it is so so beautiful and, and like, consistent. 
Yes. And actually Which worked. is also extremely difficult to do. Yes. Which, again, <laughs> we'll talk about the Marvel Heroes 2015 because that has similar aspects to it because that's a free-to-play game as well. And, you know, I just want to talk about that later. But uh, And Valve, well, they can't count to three, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yes, everybody would like number three. But Do we have three of anything? Anything you've done, just three. I don't care what it is. Just give us a third one. But they, they, right. they But um, no, I, I now regard my Steam library. I used to call it my pile of shame. And then another <laughs> developer, um, Rich Gallup, um, he said, Chris, no, no, no. It's not a pile of shame. It's your investment into the industry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> it's beautifully put. I thought it is, um, but it I is. love the I love the fact that I can click on a, my icon of Steam and to see my two hundred plus games, and that's just the installed ones, and just go. Well, one minute I can go and be a you know um, a roller skate or a skateboarder on Ollie Ollie, and next minute I can be you know um, flying an airplane through a, a, a shaft or something. It's just amazing that that little window of universes is, is available to me via one icon right <laughs> it's just it is it's and amazing. i can then talk about it with other people who are having similar experiences yeah absolutely yeah and yeah. and then share with it and then stream it on the video and put it on youtube bonkers you, t- you told people if you tell people this 10 years ago they would burn you as a witch and say no you're insane <laughs> yeah i mean god it's changed so much you know it's been it's been it continues to evolve and be revolutionary. It's just, it's like I said, it's such a, it's, you know, the world used to be such a big place uh, in many ways. It's still the exact same size, but in a lot of ways we're connected more now than we've ever been. And that makes it seem like a smaller place. And there you have these connections you can develop all over the world, which is, it's, it's pretty mind blowing actually, Uh, you know, that today that I can communicate with people all over the world at any given time. Uh, you know, in a variety of different manners, it's it's pretty amazing. And look, we're doing now, which is amazing. Um, uh, uh, but you know, one of the things I've noticed in retro gaming, for example, and you know this because you've been in the industry for long enough, but the European video game development or how it evolved was very different to how North American did. And yeah. you know, we had the spectrums, we had the eight bit computers, we didn't have the NES for a variety of reasons. Right. But they just didn't, we didn't, never, never, you know, we don't, we instead, we created our own, you know, we had computers. So we know we were making games, we were playing them as well and that sort of thing. And, you know, four or five years ago, most Americans didn't know what a Spectrum was. Really? Now they do. <laughs> because yeah. they, cause they see all these video games, they see all this talking about it, they see all this, you know, Rare's co- releasing its collection of games in the, about a week or so. And it's like, oh, it's, oh, they've got you know Night Law, and they've got Jetpack in there, and like, oh yeah, they're Spectrum games, and these are Americans saying this, right? And they now know, and why? Because of the sharing of knowledge, and all right. of a sudden, this misunderstanding or lack of understanding is gone, and it's now a shared knowledge. Like, oh yeah, every region back in the eighties had its own way of evolving its video game industry, yeah, and it's fascinating, especially Russia and South America and these other places. It's like, oh, you did that, or you you doing that, and you know, it's, it was just fascinating to see. And I think you're right; the world has shrunk, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. It's actually a very, right. very good thing because it gives us perspective on where Absolutely. we are in the universe. Very philosophical statement there. So let's move on to my favorite question because my my next question is: I love to ask this to developers because it shows that they play games too. 
and it also gives a hint as to what they're working on next, although it doesn't actually. <laughs> Um, because you probably guess what the question is going to be, but you know, I've had many developers say, "Oh my, what, what, you know, the question is, what are you playing right now?" With the exclusion of Marvel Heroes 2015, what else? Uh, are you well, yeah, I mean, I, I am playing Marvel Heroes 2015, but the uh, uh, lately, let's see, last night I played. Uh, I had not tried Five Nights at Freddy's uh, before, and so I played that last night as well as uh, I played some Binding of Isaac. Oh, nice. uh, and, and then uh, I uh, I fiddled around in Starbound for a little bit, and then uh, and then somebody uh, recommended this Victor Ram game. I, I uh, and so I I bought it last night, but I didn't give it a try. I've also been playing Puzzles and Dragons, the Super Mario one on the 3DS. Uh, and, uh, then I've also been playing this new iPhone game, uh, in my spare time called dream quest. I think it's called just okay. a second. Uh, it, yeah. Dream quest is what it is. And it's a fascinating game. That's a card building roguelike game, uh, on the iOS. It, the graphics are like a, a bad programmer. I mean, a bad, a, a decent programmer, bad programming artist kind of thing. You know, it's like it's like bad programmer art all the way through it. Uh, but uh, but the game is, it, yeah, it's a lot of place. I mean, it's like literally stick figures and stuff. So the uh, uh, it's it, but the game is interesting. It's yeah, I don't know. It, I don't know. I mean, you said that you play board games, but uh, do you know? Deck, yeah, exactly. So it's it's uh, you know a deck building game. It's called Dream Quest, did you say? Yeah, but it's a roguelike. Anyway, the graphics are horrific, but it's it's three bucks and and it's fairly fascinating, super hard. Uh, but as you level up, you get new cards in your deck, or you can go find cards at different little stores and stuff, and and optimize your deck. You can either delete cards out of your deck or add cards to your deck when you level up. And, and anyway, so you try and create this, you know, that you're drawing the right cards to defeat the, you know, to improve your deck to defeat the harder monsters and stuff. And it's, uh, you know, random levels and, uh, and the cards that are available are random as well as the monsters you face are random. And, uh, and it's only the, you know, the, the game's only a few levels deep. I haven't defeated the end boss yet, but they, uh, but been trying. <laughs> well, that's what roguelikes like, isn't it? It's what they do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They kick you in the nuts initially over and over again until you're finally like, oh, now I get it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so I've been playing a lot of things. I, I've also been playing, uh, uh, I continue to play Lego Marvel superheroes uh, with my kids. We oh. unlocked Squirrel Girl yesterday. Everybody was very excited. Then, uh, uh, you know, I, I've been playing a whole bunch of other things too. So I, I continue to play a lot of games. I've been playing a lot of board games as well. Mm. Uh, and uh, we've been playing the new Dungeons and Dragons Temple of Elemental Evil. How is um, that? How is that? I, I like it a lot. I mean, I don't know if you played the Wrath of a Charlon and, and I've got all of them. Yeah, apart from that one. Yeah, I've and I, I like this one. I think is really, really good. I think this may be the best of the series so far. Wow! Uh, so I highly recommend it if you liked those games. Can and you we, put the characters from the other games into that one? They or is can. It not? You can bring all the char- any of the characters over. Uh, it has its own equipment in this one, and this this time it's a little different. As you between the adventures, mainly the when you defeat the monsters, you get treasure. I mean gold, and then you spend the gold between the adventures to kind of improve your character. Uh, so there's a slight difference in the mechanics. Uh, mm. It makes it, uh, I think, a better long term play, more of a campaign 
campaign play than than yeah. the previous. Which is what Descent had over the D and D games, I think. But uh, right, yeah, yeah. I'm not really keen on the combat system of Descent. Um, so anyway, yeah, I'm not... no, I'm not either. I, I don't really like uh, having that DM role or whatever. You yeah, know, yeah. It, it we... seems weird. I mean, I, I love it when I play Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder with my friends, and I play as the DM and Me I too. create the adventure. But I don't like it when I feel like I'm hanging out with my friends, doing a cooperative board game, and one person we're kind of against. You know, yeah. and that and it's not as keen I mean, on that. I'm okay when there's a traitor mechanic for that, but that's not. This right. is not. Yes. Like, this is like it's overtly. He's a bad yeah. person, not a bad yeah. person, but your adversary. Right. Like, right. Right. really? And they're stuck with that. You know, right. when, when they're playing descent, they're stuck with it for that's it. That's their role. Like, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Know? No, and it's just like here. I'm going to screw over my friends this evening. Is is the way it feels. Yeah. Like it's just it. like yeah, rubbing your hands together and actually, oh, I'm going to kill him now. No. Yeah. It's like when I'm playing when I'm playing D and D or any RPG. The amount of times I rolled a twenty behind that screen, like, oh god. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. What, what how do can I, I adjust this so that you can get out of it? Or you know, how can I, you know, bend the rules slightly here so that it makes a more enjoyable experience for everybody? You know, it, it's more of a fly by this that yeah. DM role you can twist and turn and oh yeah, he died, but oh look, there's this special healing thing over here. You know, yeah. it's like you, know, it, you can do things to kind of. To on the fly fix you know issues and make sure everybody has fun i mean the worst thing i'll do is go no i didn't roll that <laughs> yeah because yeah. <laughs> they don't know 20 yeah. i meant one there. yeah i i rolled it i rolled it a 12 there didn't i yeah <laughs> for the sake of the story and like looking at his face he's on his third save yeah, and like exactly. i can't do it to him i can't <laughs> So I'm terrible DM for that, but uh, I'm, uh, I should push them to the edge, but I don't do it enough. But um, no, thanks for letting that. I, I was going to get. I mean, the last game I played was uh, Forbidden Stars, um, which is a really good game, but lasts a bit too long. Uh, six six hours is a bit. Uh, so it's hard to get that on the table. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for that. See, the first half. That's very easy, relatively painless. Well done. Very easy. <laughs> Um, so, but now it's the meat and potatoes of the show. What people really want to hear about is Marvel Heroes 2015. So we're now okay. going to move on to the second half, where we do talk about that glorious game. is actually the zeroth question it's not really a question so a bit of an Asimov reference there but uh, tell us <laughs> a, yeah <laughs> tell us about Marvel Heroes 2015 give us the pitch okay uh, well Marvel Heroes 2015 is and here comes a bunch of letters uh, an, an ARPG MMO where you play as the Marvel superheroes uh, and so uh it, it, you know, it's an action RPG in the style of Diablo, uh, 
but you play as the Marvel superheroes, and there are a bunch of people in the world at the same time. So it's an MMO in that you have thousands of people in the same world, same servers, all playing together. Uh, But it also, uh, you know, but it's not an MMO like World of Warcraft where you're doing a bunch of quests and, you know, picking cherries and killing wolves and things like that. And then, you know, it's not like that. Um, No, it's uh, not. (laughs) No, but it's much more like you're playing Diablo with a lot of people, uh, but as the Marvel superheroes. So that's kind of, that's kind of what it is. It's a free to play game. Mm -hmm. uh, And uh, it's free to play in a very, very generous sense. We, we tend to give lots away. Uh, We also, um, you can earn all the heroes. You can earn everything in the game uh, for free. Uh, you don't have to ever pay us, and most people will never pay us, and we're fine with that. Uh, and um, and so it is a you know is a true kind of free to play, no pay to win, no buying power kind of uh, a product. So have you taken the Dota model, as I call it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. League of Legends, Dota, they, you know that those those kind of games are very similar, where you uh, you can earn the hero or you can purchase it uh, if you don't want to if you don't want to earn it over oh, time. Right. So it's more League of uh, Legends because Dota is just purely vanity stuff, right? Exactly, just, and then there's vanity stuff as well that you can that you can purchase. You can also earn some of the vanity stuff too. Cool. Okay. Um, so I mean, there's there's all sorts of different models for that. I'm sure you've been talked to death about it, and like, oh, really, Chris, you want to talk about this? And I don't really want to, but I mean, there's some. some I mean, I, I had the developers of Smite on the other week, and they do actually have a model where I'll oh, give us thirty bucks and we will give you everything. Have you, right. have you have you ever considered this like going, tell you what, for the people who just can't deal with free to play, if you give us twenty dollars, you can get loads of shit, loads of stuff. Have you ever thought about doing that? Or do you have that? Forgive me for asking this. Just... Uh, we we don't we don't have that as an option. Um uh, you know, I I think that we would I mean, we've played toyed with the idea of of doing subscription things or something yeah. like that. Uh but I was but... just thinking of a one off like you know what, if you love this game, but you want to give us money, but you don't know how much, because it's like me, um, I find it difficult for you to pay. How much do I give? Is, is too much? Right. Is a dollar too little? Is it five dollars? You know, I just, because right. I'm so used to, like, I'm sure you remember it, going into a store, picking up a game, taking it to the counter and giving them 20 quid or whatever for the for, right. said, for said game. And have you ever thought about doing that for, for yours? Yeah, no, we uh, we haven't thought about we haven't been very serious about implementing that. Uh, uh-huh. We kind of have a uh, I would call it sort of a subscription. Every year we offer something we call the advance pack, which gives you the next year of heroes. Uh, you, you know, you buy it now and you get a discount on uh, you know the next year of heroes that we're gonna that are gonna be coming out the next twelve heroes because we get, we have a new hero a month. And uh, and so uh, you can kind of buy that in advance with a discount and get a bunch of costumes and things like that with it, and uh, including some stuff that will be you know timed exclusives for for uh, for the pack members and whatnot. So it's kind of like it's kind of like a year subscription to the to the to the product in a lot of ways. You get almost you get a lot of the stuff that you would, that you would get throughout the year uh, on a monthly basis. And just to go back to the game mechanic as well, it's an instance experience, isn't it? Uh, it is, and it's not. Mm. Uh, there are there are non-instanced areas, yes. or at least uh, 
there are private instanced areas for uh, for you and your party that are mainly like boss fights and things like that. But there are kind of public instances where you're out and about in a zone and you can have some party members in there, but just other people are randomly running around doing their thing and whatnot. So, but in those, the limits on that are, are, are higher. Usually there, there could be uh, as much as 50 people in, in the zone, just kind of running around doing things. So, but so it, it is instanced on some level, but it is not privately instanced for just you and your party all the time. Sometimes they're public instances that other groups are there too. And of course, you can play it both as a, a, a team play game because it's an MMO, but you can right. truck around on your own if you want to be Batman. Oh, sorry, not Batman. Oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You can't be Batman, but the uh, uh, but you can. Uh, uh, yes, you can think play just by yourself. Um, yeah. uh, you know, all the way through it is. There's a story that you can just progress through, and most people do. Uh, it doesn't require the different roles. We don't have the holy trinity of tanking dps and healing or anything yeah. like that you know it's it is well, it's an action rpg that you can play by yourself all the way through but other people will be you'll see other people in the game yeah i've just realized an equivalent would be the punisher there you go done it right there you go that, um, that one yeah that works um with the big skull on his chest awesome so but yeah you're right superheroes don't need healing for god's sake They're superheroes what are you doing you know, yeah. they're all. What do you mean? They the DPS? They're the all tanks sitting up front, and everybody else kind of getting a punch in, and then one person in the back throwing heal spells. It's just not the way that it. No, works. playing whack a mole with the little heal things. Yeah. yeah, no, no, it's not that way. It's not the experience. If you want to do that, you know where to go. It's not. Yeah. Here. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So, Great. So I think we've got this set up now and everyone understands the, the core structure of the game. So I now want to talk to you about how the game evolved from when it's released in 2013, wasn't it, yeah. initially? Yes. To where it is now. When you've actually renamed it, you've slapped this year onto it to say, look, this is what it is now. Could you tell us, in reasonably uh, concise terms, how it evolved from when it was to where it is now? And what do you think the big milestone points that would actually catch people and go... That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Could you give us a, like a summary of what happened? So, uh, I mean, that's it, a pretty open question that I could it have is. a very long answer to. But the, uh, I'll try and make it you know somewhat concise. The um, so when the product came out, like I said, we were under a lot of pressure. Uh, investors had been around for a long time and really needed to see some results, and uh, the product was you know, taking longer than as these things do take longer than we had anticipated. Uh, and so kind of the worlds were colliding and we needed to release, uh, the product, but it wasn't really ready. And we kind of knew, you know, we had a pretty good idea that it wasn't quite ready. Mm. Uh, you know, there are definitely features that were missing that we, that we wanted pretty desperately though. It wasn't for lack of trying. We were working very hard to try and, and deliver, um, uh, you know, uh, deliver something. And um, so when the game came out, uh, it was not very well received um, and kind of deservedly. So it was, you know, it was not in very good shape. It wasn't really finished in a lot of ways. And no. we knew that it was going to take six months plus to kind of quote unquote finish it, maybe even up to a year. Uh, and so, uh, when it came out and everybody was kind of disappointed by where it was, um, you know, I stood up and said, and there were a lot of complaints and a lot of them were legitimate complaints and, and, and problems that we had. And I said, 
okay, well, we understand where we're at. Uh, we're going to make some changes around here and we're going to do something very different. Uh, we're going to, we're going to talk to the community. I'm opening up the forums to everybody in the entire company, no matter what your role is, you can chat with the customers, uh, get feedback, start answering questions, and we'll start making a list of things that we're going to change some of the biggest problems that you guys have. And we're going to start attacking those kind of things and we're going to attack them in force right away and we're going to make changes quickly and uh and so we're going to start patching the game every week uh until it's you know until it's better which we still patch every week uh and uh so we kept kind of iterating on the game and making it better and better and we did this through a process of knowing what it was that we wanted to add to the game and listening to the audience that still believed in us uh, and trying to fix problems that existed. And some of the, you know, nothing was sacred. There was, there was, it wasn't an ego driven thing. It was, you know, very, very, Hey, we're going to listen. We're going to make changes. And we promise this is going to happen rapidly, but you need to kind of bear with us as we get through this. And, uh, and so we start saying, Hey, we're going to fix this. And then sure enough, in the next week's patch, it gets fixed and people are, Oh, that they kind of start to believe that, hey, things can improve here. Things can change. And we're going to do something different. We're going to lower all of our prices. We're going to make it so that – so when the game first came out, uh, the way that you earned heroes uh, is that they were randomly dropped yeah. in the game uh, as rare drops. That's right. And so there were kind of two stories that came out of this. One was the person that said – I've been playing for 300 hours and RN Jesus has not blessed me here. I've, uh, <laughs> I, I, I have, <laughs> I am totally screwed. My eyes are bleeding out and I haven't, I haven't, I, I I've been, I, I'm fed up with this game. I didn't get lucky. It reminds me of some so, of my experience with um, Star Wars Galaxies when I was trying to. Yeah. <laughs> so just, that was a great yeah. game, by the way. And I was playing Imperial, but anyway, so, so, so yeah, so, it was. So, so. Um, so, uh, then the other story is the person that, oh, I've only been playing for 50 and I got four drops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that seems fair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, just because I got lucky. And um, and they're kind of rubbing it in the noses of the 300-hour players, you know, and it's just like it, it's, it's kind of a bad scene. Not only that, but then the person that's played for 50 hours and gotten lucky, they're like, yeah, I got four drops, but uh, none of them were the one I wanted. So it was like... There, nobody was winning in this yeah. scenario. Uh, and so we said, well, we're going to change it so that you actually earn the hero that you want. And so we made it so that uh, there was a kind of a currency that dropped in the game that you could collect uh, over time. That allowed us to fiddle with the random numbers, make it a much more frequent event, and you save up this currency to buy the tokens. So. You, oh, I'm going to buy this hero with the the you know by playing the game, and I get exactly the one I'm looking forward to, and I know the price, and I've got a goal, and like and I see this thing happening to me, like these the currency's dropping rapidly enough that I feel like I'm making constant progress on it. Like it was just a better situation for everybody. Uh, and then as kind of a a twisted t- tease, we uh, put in a box that you could buy a random hero. For slightly cheaper. So if you wanted to go that route and kind of gamble, like you didn't really care which one you got. Now I just want to try something else. 
this was an opportunity to do that as well. So the, uh, those kind of changes to the business model were, were fundamental to making an improved game. Um, we also, when we first came out of, there were a few heroes that were $20 us. And so, uh, we got labeled as all of the heroes are 20 bucks. The game's super expensive. They're money. They're super greedy, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that also was a big complaint. Uh, even though it wasn't really true. Yes, there were a couple heroes that were 20 bucks, but a majority of them were 10. And uh, but even that, even that perception is reality. So we went and we lowered prices, and we we you know were much more generous about what we were doing and what how much things cost and and whatnot. And so nothing again was sacred. Business model we changed from a gameplay standpoint. We created new modes. We filled out the end game. We created new items to chase. Uh, we started fixing the heroes. The heroes only had skills. The level cap was sixty, and the heroes only had skills up to level 30 so we instead made it that they get their last skill at level 52 and we went back and started improving and and revamping all of the heroes in the game and uh, then we had big big events for the community that we that everybody got to participate in the opening of asgard and things like that and added chapters to the game and added difficulty modes and added all of these things that uh that started to make the game kind of really fill out and so about a year afterwards uh, after the launch, the game had really improved, but we were stuck with a Metacritic 58 yes, game. Yes, you were. You were. But the game wasn't a 58 anymore. Not anymore. Uh, and, and so we're like, well, what are we doing now? I mean, nobody's paying attention to us, and the game's a lot better now. We should try and get people back. But nobody will review us. Because we don't have anything, because it's a free-to-play game, because we're patching every week, we aren't saving everything up for an expansion to purchase for 20 bucks or whatever, 40 bucks. We're we're giving all the content away for free, but how do we make any noise? Yeah, it's a frozen, because the reviewers back in the day said, this is frozen in time. Granted, this game will evolve, but it's not a lot I can do about it. My hands are freaking tied. This is a game they're delivered. This is what I'm going to review. So... Right. It's not their fault. And I was one of them. Sorry, mate, but I was just one of them. Like, no, no, no. What it is. It, this is what it is. It's not just you. It's, it, it, I mean, the industry just kind of operates this way. Yeah. So we're yeah. like, well, the only way that we can really get attention is, hey, maybe we can rebrand ourselves. Yeah. And, uh, and that is our, our attention getting <laughs> is that, hey, look, we aren't, uh, we're the new improved version of Marvel Heroes. And how do we go about doing that? And then we kind of, you know, took from sports games where they put a, a number on on their product every year. And it's kind of, hey, we've changed more than those sports products have in the last year. Yeah. <laughs> they, throw a, they throw a number on it. We're going to throw a number on it. You know, yeah. they do this in other Microsoft does this with, you know, Office 2015 and or things Windows like that. Windows 10. So, yeah. yeah exa- well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, well, they were doing years at one point. They but were, the, um, but, yeah. It, so, uh Anyway, the point was that, and by the way, they're getting rid of numbers altogether in Windows. That's a separate, a separate point altogether because yeah. it's going to be a subscription service. Yeah. And so, um, uh, so you know, we got a, um, we said, hey, we can throw a number on there, and this is the new improved one, and that will afford the, you know, give people an excuse to come back and re-review and revisit the product now that it's much better. And with that, we got new reviews. 
and we raised our Metacritic score to an 81 from a 58. Uh, and so, and then we've had almost a year to iterate on it since then. So, uh, which I think it's even better now, but, uh, we continue to work on the product. We continue to work with the audience. It's really about the audience. It's about listening to feedback and playing the game ourselves, understanding what we're making. You know, I, uh, about a year over a year ago, about a year and a half almost ago, uh, I started streaming the game four nights a week. Yeah. And, can. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, because I can. And so this was another way to interact with the audience. It's like I'm on there talking with people, answering questions, reporting bugs, you know, doing everything that I can to improve the product and interact with the community, running dungeons with people, I mean, you know, raids and things like that with people and like really, uh, you know, being involved in the community uh, you know, as, as a player, not necessarily as the CEO. Right. So, uh, and that, that, you know, it's my own personal account. It's not the, the only thing is that I have unlimited money and it's mainly because I gift people all sorts of stuff. But the, but other than that, I've never cheated the account. I've always, everything on it is legitimate. Like I've leveled up all the characters and things like that. I played. So, you know, I really taste the game from kind of the user's experience more than, uh, than I have in the past. And, and, uh, that, that's really been an extremely gratifying thing for me. This has been in one of the best projects I've ever worked on because of how much I've enjoyed interacting with the people that are getting pleasure from playing the game that I'm that I'm making. You know, and that's what I, that's the reason that I do this is to is to have fun and interact with the community, enjoy ourselves, and play something that we really are enjoying, and that and to experience that kind of at, you know live in an environment where I'm communicating with people around the world doing this is something that I've never been able to experience before, and I'm just enjoying it immensely. This is exactly why I wanted to ask that question, because I wanted to draw that out of you, because I knew that's what happened. You basically turn around and do, do the audience something you'd never done before and go, well, what do you want then? Right. <laughs> I mean, you knew the answer to that question in some parts, but not all of it. Right. And you suddenly realize that, hang on, we have all this interactivity now. I mean, even back then, it was, wasn't as advanced as it is now with Twitch and, and streaming and stuff. But back then, it was just like embryonic when that sort of stuff. I say back then, two or three years ago, it's weird, but right. it's the way it is. Um, and you just think, well, let's just ask them. What do you mean? Just ask them. You can't do that. <laughs> Why not? Just yeah. freaking ask them and then see what they want. And then this is what you, it is. It was, it was an inspired move. So my next question, unfortunately, you've actually answered the second one already because I swear you're looking over my shoulder, looking at my screen, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of creepy and fun at the same time. So you've actually answered it about you know the uh, how Marvel how the heroes are now not random drops, but you've actually created the eternity splinter system. I was going to talk about that, but rather than that, uh, I want to ask you a very specific question about design of action RPGs. So I know you've been doing them for many years, but how? I know. So my big problem is, um, uh, is in some of them is that the pyrotechnics and some of the screen can get so bad that I can't actually see what's going on. Yeah. How do you balance that? Sounds a really stupid question. Maybe it's not, but like, just give us a breakdown. How do you, your team, sort of go? Can we just slacken off a bit? I mean, I know you want to give visual feedback to the player as a reward for doing this stuff. But you also want to inform them as to what's going on. So what's that, so there's that a, fine balance? What do you do? 
Oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if we've reached that fine balance. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, it's, sometimes I think we're a little over the top still, but the, um, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoy, I've always enjoyed kind of flashy feedback like that. Uh, yes. It's always been something that I, that I've, I crave and I, I've been I lean more on the side of over the top than I do on being conservative. And it's really because it, it creates a better feel. Uh, but there's a lot of technical things that go into to balancing that. And a lot of it has to do with what you see versus what other clients see. And so we balance it in such a way that what you see them do isn't necessarily what they're seeing themselves do. So your pyrotechnics and your capabilities are kind of uh, are kind of at full display so you're getting the best proper feedback that you can but that isn't the case with other people you'll get kind of a uh you know reduced version of what their of their of their effects so that you in theory aren't you know overwhelmed with all of the stuff that's going on that way we can make your your stuff feel spectacular and powerful uh, without flooding out the screen so much that you can't see a single thing. Yeah. Um, also, one of the things that's, uh, that helps with that is, is actually size of the enemies that you, are, that you are fighting. If you're fighting something bigger, it's easier to target and see that thing than it is if it's small and it has all these visual effects because it can get lost in, in that kind of way. And we've done things uh, like put little indicators above the boss's heads to make sure that uh, you can see at least the general place where the boss is supposed to be if it's covered up by a lot of effects. <laughs> yeah, I've been playing games like this before. I mean, I'm going to mention Diablo 3. Uh, and there's that, the wizard in that. It's ridiculous to the point where my colleague, my friend, not colleague, my friend I'm playing with, he's going, uh, do, I, do I finish firing now? Do I, do I stop firing? <laughs> no, no, keep firing. They're not dead yet. Keep firing. Okay, can I stop now? You know, um, <laughs> and I don't think that really happens with Bobby Heroes, actually. Um, yeah, no, I think that we give good feedback. It comes down to a lot of UI uh, and making sure that people can see health bars and that's layered on top and what you're targeting and, and giving good feedback as to the progress. Even if you can't actually see the thing that you're killing, you have at least enough feedback that you are highlighting the thing that it is taking damage that it is that you know you can see your progress as a group yeah, uh, as opposed a, to rainbows and explosions and more explosions and you kind of it's in your own character looks right. awesome though <laughs> for a few seconds a few creates seconds. pretty screenshots yeah <laughs> now my next question is more of a content management question rather than design which sounds a bit dry but i just want to ask this because the Marvel Cinematic Universe has exploded into, into all our faces, which I didn't realize it was that awesome, but it has exploded. Because personally, as a British person, I grew up with 2000 AD, so I wasn't particularly familiar with Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and I know 2000 AD is a very, very different set of comics. Yeah. Um, and uh, I still slightly prefer them uh, for various reasons I won't go into. Sure. Um, and we could have a separate discussion about why that is, but... Be that as it may, this, that content, that universe, more and more people are more familiar with Marvel than ever before now, especially with the more niche characters that we didn't know about. Um, how has that influenced Marvel Heroes 2015? Is there any link between the content that the studios are making, the film studios are making, and what you're doing at all? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. We are <laughs> very heavily involved. Uh, I mean, these are kind of tentpole events for us and our product in a lot of ways. Excellent. Uh, uh, you know, we are Marvel warns us way ahead of time about the movie schedule. We get access to information about the movie. Uh, they, for instance, they will send us. We just had Avengers uh, stuff and we had Ant-Man as well uh, just, just a couple weeks ago. But the uh, uh, we had and in fact, Ant-Man was the new hero in Marvel Heroes. But we will talk about Avengers for Avengers stuff, we the hero that we created was Vision, and we had all of kind of the movie assets uh, for him. They the the um, the actual effects, the visual effects studio sends us the 3D models of the of the stuff that they use in the visual effects, and we can put that in the game then. And uh, so you know the 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 Hulkbuster Iron Man suit <laughs> is the Hulkbuster Iron Man suit. From, oh from- yeah. He looks like and a little so, um, tank, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, and and so it looks just. I mean, because it is. It's the. It's the. You know. So we're. You know, we can use that, and we'll have. Oh, we create a special mode. You know, where you're where you fight Ultron, and the Ultron in the mode is the Ultron from the movie, the model, and the. Um, and. Uh, and, you know, it's loosely tied. The story behind it is loosely tied on the movie. Uh, and so, you know, we'll have the costumes for all the heroes from the movie and things like that. So we, uh, you know, we we are heavily involved with the with the actual movie stuff. Uh, we are then slightly involved with other things. We'll do stuff for, let's say, with Daredevil. We had a costume that was, uh, you know, right around the Daredevil Netflix series. Uh, then we'll also do things for... Um, Comics. There was a comic event uh, over the over the winter last winter uh, called Axis, uh, and we have an Axis mode, you know, raid in our game uh, where you defeat, you go try and defeat Red Skull. Uh, well, I guess he's called Red Onslaught in the in the comics, but it was Red Skull got the Onslaught armor and became Red Onslaught. Okay. And anyway, so the. Um, uh, you know, he's th- this giant villain. And so w- we had, you know, a tie into the a comics event. So we, we tie into kind of all the Marvel ecosystem from comics to television to uh, movies. But movies really are kind of the, the biggest push for us. Uh, and they have been in the, pa- in the past. Uh, and then we are also, you know, tied in, especially to old comic storylines and things like that. We'll kind of make little one-off stories that tie into famous comic book lines and, and whatnot. So we, we kind of delve into all the whole thing and it's, and it's like a kid in a candy store. We have access to so much. Our license gives us access to, to everything. So, uh, it's, it's oftentimes tougher to choose than anything, but, uh, obviously any kind of movie event is something that we want to pay very close attention to and, and, and plan around and coordinate with. And, uh, it, it'll be the same kind of way with the, uh, Captain America movie in the spring, uh, or I guess it's May, uh, that, uh, we'll have a, a lot that, cause that's civil war. I don't even know why they're calling it a Captain America movie. It's basically an Avengers movie. Almost everybody's in it. And, uh, <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, I think that uh, we'll have quite a bit that will tie in with that uh, at that time. That's amazing. I just wanted to talk about that because I found you having to manage that content and knowing, juggling all of that while keeping the game engaging. Do you know what I mean? Just having to make yeah. sure that that's, that's great. We can throw these characters in. Like, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy blew up, I mean, absolutely blew up. And like, 
no one knew what well, say no one few people knew that were familiar with these characters right like, what who are these it's a raccoon <laughs> yeah it's yeah no well, i mean before we before we finished the product uh you know marvel came to us and and he said you should put rocket raccoon in the game i'm like really rocket raccoon i mean i love rocket raccoon but nobody knows who rocket raccoon is like, yeah, okay. trust me but Rocket Raccoon in the game. They'll know. And, you know, then they announced, <laughs> and then they met, announced Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm like, oh, oh, okay, that's why they told us to do that. <laughs> and, man, did they deliver on that film. Good heavens, did yeah, they deliver. And, yeah. So that yeah. helps you. You see, that's the point. I'm oh, yeah, to, absolutely. Trying to get this out for you. It's like, look, if you love the films and you're enjoying that experience, this game, which doesn't cost you anything apart from your time, exists. Yes, you know exactly. that's why you haven't seen these, you know these these dreadful um, games who come on consoles now. They just generally don't do them. The only games I know of that deal with superheroes is the Batman games, which are completely different beasts anyway. So yeah, you know, yeah. and that's DC anyway. So what am I talking about anyway? <laughs> um, sorry, Dave. I just had to. No, it's fine. <laughs> you can't live in a bubble. Um, so that was my last question. I was going to ask you about the raids, but again, you covered that earlier on. So. That's great. Although we'll share my story where I did each. He used to lead raids as a as a healer. Not not a good idea. Not, don't, <laughs> that's very yeah. That's uh, yeah. That's backseat raiding. Of... That was like you know yelling at the yeah. DPS players not doing their job. Like excuse me, <laughs> what yeah, do you exactly. know? Like well, you know you're just playing whack a mole. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Just want to be clear on platforms here. I've got Windows PC written here, but is that true? Is it on Mac as well? I can't remember. It's on Mac as well. Yes, it is PC and Mac. Right, and is it just Windows PC or is it on Linux as well? I can't remember. No, it's just Windows right now. But uh, I would suspect that it will be Linux in the future. Yeah, I mean, I built I built a Steam box about eighteen months ago from bits of computers lying around. Very liberating <laughs> to have yes. that stuff on the telly. <laughs> Uh, my all the indie games on my big 50-inch TV screen is brilliant. Right. So if you haven't done that yourself, I'd highly recommend it. It's fabulous. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's why I asked the Linux question. We do have a lot of Linux-based users or using Steam, actually, rather than Linux right. um, to uh, play their games. David, yeah. it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the show. Thank, Thank you. you so, so much for being so open and honest and giving us all the stories about your past and your present. It's been brilliant. It's my pleasure. Thank uh, you for the opportunity. Yeah. Um, I hope you got something out of it as well. And, oh, uh, I did. I had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I'd love to have you back on the show when you've got something else brewing. Um, uh, or just come on and tell us, you know, 2016, what's happened with Marvel Heroes. Sounds good. So we, sh- we should do that. So uh, I wish you the very best of luck on your future endeavours. And uh, thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review. And you can also, don't forget, listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show, or actually you're a developer who listen to the show and want your game featured on it, please do email me at chris at spong.com. Bye!